Welcome to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast with Brett, Ed, Fran, Johnny, Matt and Paul, helping you to build more muscle and to lose weight with a hint of banter and a dash of humour. Enjoy this week's episode. Go Ed. Hello and welcome to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast. This is Brett Hadley, your host. I hope Good enough. I don't sound like that. No, I don't, I don't sound like that. I sound like <laughs> fucking a posh Bruce, Bruce Forsyth. You, look, you looked <laughs> well, a bit like him as well, actually. You, well, you have to do the facial expressions to get the uh, to get the sound out, don't you? So, I suppose so. Um, nice to see you. To see you. Nice. Wee! <laughs> nice to see you. Um, to see you, fucking angry. <laughs> um, Brett is a little bit angry tonight for some reason, or today, or this week. So I'm just stressed. Um, I'm just stressed. <laughs> uh, time pressures and uh, lack of calories are getting to him, so uh, he's not allowed to host tonight. Sleep. <laughs> and the fact that this is coming out 24 hours late, so he is. It's messing with his OCD. It's it's messing with absolutely everything. So his his brain is actually in meltdown mo- uh, mode right now. Yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> less less said about the better. Let's be honest. <laughs> uh, and it's, I think it's just taken me about 15, 20 minutes just to just to open my computer, just because technology is not on our side tonight. Neither is Fran, the uh, the biatch. Leaving us for a gym meeting. Like, honestly, what can be, what 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 can they talk about for so long at a gym meeting? Lift heavy right. things, put your weights away, wipe down your bench if it's sweaty. So I mean, it's not like powerlifting is even that hard to program. Exactly, just lift heavy things. You've got like two rep ranges to work from one, one to three. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like fucking hell. How hard could that possibly be to program? Or what? What mean could you have about programming? Or I, don't, I mean, I don't even know if they're talking about programming. But you know, it's a powerlifting team meeting. Like, jeez. Are we we gonna lift one rep today? Two reps? Three reps? Like I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but there we go. Um, she was obviously supposed to be here, wasn't she? But she's running late, so we've had to ditch her. I think she's literally running now as well to try and make the call. But uh, no, no, no. She, sorry, Fran. Fran doesn't run. Don't be silly. <laughs> she's a powerlifter. She can't. They just waddle everywhere. Mm, that's what powerlifters do. <laughs> so how you doing, mate? Apart from yeah. uh, the things that we've already already spoken about. Apart from being stressed, tired, um, like you say, short on calories. To be fair, calories actually haven't been that bad. Um, I found this week incredibly easy. Incredibly easy. Like, Good. obviously, for people that don't know, I decided to eventually just start my mini cut that I've been putting off for literally two months. Um, but enough was enough. I thought I'm just going to have to do it. So I did. Um, I didn't really set myself specific calorie targets, just almost the, the Martin McDonald TM um, as low as you can go to a certain extent. I kind of want to cap it about, uh, as in as in cap the highest amount, I'll go at about 1,800 um, if I could do lower, I would. Um, wait till 50, I think. But, you know, 50 calories, what's 50 calories between friends? Um, and most days I've easily either done that without even thinking or, you know, just, yeah, well, most days I've easily done it without even thinking. So, um, good. Yeah. yeah. In fact, one day, as you'll know, because you've seen it in obviously our uh, photo shoot community, because obviously we were talking about. Um, people's calorie contents and stuff and obviously i'd said that one day i had managed to plan out and stop at 1300 calories which for an 83 kilo male uh, reasonably active trains five days a week 10,000 steps a day pretty low it's pretty good and you had a sunday roast as part of that as well uh no not part of that that so that that was the point of why i did 1300 because i knew i was going out for sunday lunch so i wanted to basically bank a few for the following day ironically um i ended up on the sunday for the sunday roast at about tracked 1850 calories anyway so the but ones i banked i didn't even use i always think some, like people always go oh my god so naughty sunday roast it's like well as long as you don't overdo it on the potatoes and you know depending on what your roasties or your, your mash is done with it's a pretty lean meal anyway because you have loads of different veggies you have meat all right it can depend whether you have lamb or chicken but um you know your, your meat's never going to be too horrendous um and then again just depends on the gravy so if you use granule gravy uh, instead of the the juices gravy and just 
with sensible with your potatoes then you've or you just use like a carrot and swede mash instead of potatoes um then you've actually got a really low calorie meal um that is going to fill you up and it's going to taste amazing and yeah uh, dieting done hmm. yeah well i think the fortunate thing of going to uh, always like a set a restaurant menu rather than like a carver or something um, not that you can you could do any different than the carver but just not there's the less temptation because given to you but it was kind of like quite a nice um upmarket pub almost like a gastro pub so like yorkshire's weren't huge or i said like one yorkshire it's got like a standard yorkshire only like three roast potatoes like normal smallest size um and then the rest of it's just pretty much vegetables um did eat quite a lot of cauliflower cheese mind you but um and you just put your own gravy on. So, and I had chicken. I, I chose chicken because um, normally I'd have beef probably, but I just thought oh, I'd get something a little bit leaner. Um, so, yeah, even though my, I still reckon my meal came to 1,000 calories just because I ate so much um, cauliflower cheese and so I did eat all the roasties and stuff. But Speaking of cauliflower cheese, uh, so I went for a roast yesterday at my grandmother's house and uh, she took the cauliflower cheese to the next level and she put broccoli in there as well. So it's cauliflower cheese and broccoli. I like broccoli cheese. You know me, eat lean protein cheese um, as in the spreadable or if you want, um, you know, like the cheese triangle stuff, get some of those and mash it into overcooked broccoli and it's fucking good. Does eat lean do a, a bag of grated? Yes. It does. Okay. Because I do like to, uh, like salt based style sprinkle grated cheese on top of pretty much anything. Just bounce off your elbow. Yep. Just dun dun dun, just a few flakes. Um, uh, yeah, they do. Um, you can't buy in supermarkets, though. Uh, I've never seen grated in supermarkets. Anyway. I've only ever seen it online. I generally get sent a because obviously they usually send me some of most things. I usually get at least one bag of grated a month. Nice. Yeah. I think the only. Apart you can from, like, grate odd... it. You, you can grate the other mm. stuff, you know. It's not like ungrateful. Yeah, but you know, ain't nobody got time for that. Mm. And nobody goes, oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to. I know you can buy all these fancy graters and stuff, but nobody goes, oh, I'm just going to um, spend the next five minutes grating a block of cheese into a tub to use for the rest of the week. Um, I grate cheese fairly regularly because obviously I use protein cheese that gets sent, which, as I just said, only could probably get one bag of grated. And I think there's only the grated bags are only about 180 grams, I think. So that can go in one or two sittings quite easily. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, I, I made uh, quesadillas in the week. I used a bucket of low-fat cheese and everything, but I, I made quesadillas and I did use a whole bag of grated cheese just between me and my mum. Um, yeah. I, I bet that went eat lean. No, but it was 50% reduced fat. So, yeah. Yes. If anyone um, wants good cheese, go online and get... Um, the tasty stuff. Um, so I think that is. I want to think fat content wise. I can't remember what, like in terms of percentage. I do well. I do know. No, I know how much percentage it is, in terms of actual fat content. I.e., like eat lean is three percent fat. Um, your standard cheddar is about thirty two, thirty three. Somewhere around that realms. I only know this because George obviously told us, um, and as in George Heller, Heller, the uh, eat lean guru. Um, but tasty is about 14% fat. So obviously it's a lot lower fat. But I don't know what that is in terms of you just said 50% reduced fat or whatever the term you use. I don't know if that's 50% more or if that's more or less than that. I'm going to say, I'm going to assume less. I think it's probably less calories than your 50% less fat. Probably a few cheese. less, yeah. Well, actually, no. Actually, think about it. Logically, if your standard cheddar is 33-ish or early 30s, 50% of that is 15, 16, 17%. So that'd be so, right, wouldn't it? A few less, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it is fucking banging. the The taste is amazing. Like, literally, tastes fantastic. So, um, well worth the like. If you want something a bit in between a obviously a protein cheese, but better than your normal average, either fifty percent lower fat or you know your normal cheese, get a tasty. And you can use NNN ten and get ten percent off your online order. Wee cheeky plug. <laughs> I kind of manufactured that a little bit, didn't I? A little bit, yeah. I was, I was, I was yeah. kind of. I would have been disappointed if you hadn't have dropped the code, but at the same time, um, this 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 conversation wasn't overly manufactured just to do that. No, no it wasn't. No, it wasn't. Talking about cauliflower just, cheese and then yeah. Right. Let, let's be honest. I I I literally bum eating cheese. Like I I would say this even if they weren't giving me a very sm- me us sorry I should say us a very 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 small um, commission. 
it's not even commission, is it? I don't know what little kickback. Yeah. yeah, a little kickback, it's tiny. It's like a quid. So like every time you use it, it's not a lot, and it just helps us put out free content. Like it pays for our podcast hosting and that type of stuff. So, oh yeah, we give it, we, we give it back in free stuff. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, um, cool. So dieting's going well. Brilliant. Good stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, like I said, every day under eighteen hundred calories. I had that one day at thirteen hundred. Um, today I'm probably going to end at about sixteen hundred. I've eat, only eaten about. 1400 so far and because i could easily go to bed now and not worry about it but i have got a little mini um not a mini a normal you know like cabbage cream egg an oreo mm. one not a cream egg in the fridge yeah, so yeah. i'm gonna eat in um, the fridge in the fridge yes Ch- chocolate should always go in the fridge new ruins well, the I'm taste. Not sure. definitely I'm not, ruins the taste. no it doesn't it should always be in the fridge i don't like warm or melted like that type of chocolate makes me feel sick has room temperature chocolate crisp. for the win it's like no. it's like drinking warm beer no it's got to be cold and crisp Get off! That's not the same comparison, I'm afraid. Um, well, it's the same comparison that warm beer makes you feel sick and warm chocolate makes me feel sick. Whereas if it's cold and crisp, I feel just I don't know, just it feels less sickly. I think maybe I ate too much chocolate in the summer as a kid, and like melty chocolate makes me feel all... bad memories. Yeah. I get the same with uh, vodka and iron brew. Ooh. Oh, That's I why I don't that. don't drink energy drinks because. Um, that that kind of like smell and flavour just reminds me of a very very bad night. I love Iron Brew. Can't say. No, I imagine vodka and it probably right actually. Not if you've OD'd on it. I get that. I had that same problem with JD and Coke. Mm. As a fifteen-year-old yeah. lad, fifteen-year-old lad in a club in Norwich called Icon, um, way too drunk on on JD and Coke. Oof, oof, it makes me shiver now. Yeah, I think everybody has that that one thing that they probably like the first time they got full on paralytic. Um, yeah, they can never touch the stuff again. Uh, yeah. But yeah, no, I think mm. uh, what else has been happening? Um, actually, it's probably worth commenting on the strange thing is my weight's barely changed in the fact that I've been in quite an aggressive deficit now for the eighth day, and I think I've only lost about two pounds, which I'm, which even most of that's been the last couple of days. So that's quite strange. Um, yeah I, I've had similar because I've been dieting for a week I say I've been dieting for a week I had three good days then Thursday I kind of didn't really eat a lot during the day but I did um, we, we went out obviously Valentine's and we had like a little cake plattery thing uh, in the spa that we went to so it was like six little chunks of cake so that was a little bit of a, a higher calorie thing but then I had like pheasants and that and that was really light I barely ate any of the chips and I had a beetroot soup which was very very nice um so I, I'd had a probably a decent day and I was probably about on track um and then over the weekend I've played two hockey games so I, I kind of I've eaten a, a bit more uh, than I normally would just to kind of fuel performance um but uh, Alex said to me, she goes, oh, how's your diet going? Have you lost much weight this week? And I says, uh, no, I've put on two point uh, two of a kilo. Yeah, <laughs> um, but then, yeah, I had to then explain to her that I'd, time of weighing and the fact that I hadn't really been to the toilet the second time I weighed, like at the end of the week and, and all that. Mm. But that's why we take averages. So, yeah. Yeah. My, mine's just strange because I, I can't really work out why because I've audited myself and think like I'm pretty sure other than obviously the one meal I've estimated – which, you know, I still think I'm reasonably... I was quite... Um, uh, what's the word? Um, oh, my God. Fucking hell. Conservative? Oh, conservative, yes, thank you. God, I was going conservative in the way I estimated, I think. So I think, if anything, I've probably overdone it, but who knows? Um, so other than that, I think I've pretty much been spot on in terms of uh, accounting for things. So um, what, there's nothing any of my weigh-ins make me think why um, I've not seen more of a drop, because... We would probably have expected more of a drop given my carbs went down. Um, probably my sodium even went down because I'm eating far less junk food than I was. Um, and I don't salt my foods anyway. So um, you'd probably think, yeah, I'd expect a big whoosh for the start, as we tell most people when they first start dieting. They expect to see a, a, a big drop in the first week. But that really happened for me. So, um, and I suppose yeah. this is when a lot of people go, oh, God, I've tried dieting for a week. I've not lost anything or barely lost anything. or There's no point. I'm giving up. And, and that's what people do. Whereas your second week, you might end up losing two weeks worth of weight. And that would be the, the motivation boost you need. Uh, mm. Yeah, well, I'll just see it keep going. I'd like, so I know the, the science. I know the progress should happen. So I'll just carry on until it does. Yep, six months down the line, uh, Brett would be like, oh, yeah, finally, finally lost a couple more finally, pounds. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Down to 81 kilos. Um, um, no, that'd be good. It'd be right. It'd be right. So, now other than that, not a lot else going on other than you lot stressing me out. Um, and yeah, 
Yeah. We don't do it on purpose. We promise. <laughs> I'm sure you do. Um, we, have a, we have another group just called the uh, Stress Brett Out Group, and uh... what just come up with plans on how you can fuck me up. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's the one. <laughs> um, so we were kind of struggling for podcast topics. Not struggling, but we just didn't know what to kind of talk about. Um, well, we've got a couple that probably need a bit more prep, haven't we? But yes, yeah, yeah. But one that we were going to talk about the uh, the article that Brett wanted to talk about tonight was seventy two pages long, and he only told us about an hour and a half ago uh, that he wanted to talk about it. So it's um... less than a page a minute. You can't read a page <laughs> a minute. Yeah, with, not when you're in the gym and you're going to have your tea and everything else. And <laughs> no, um... I, I, just just because obviously we're transparent, I wanted to talk about one of the latest studies around processed versus unprocessed foods. Because I do think it's very interesting, albeit the outcome is probably what most people listening will already know or expect anyway. But I just thought it would be useful to go through the actual study and kind of put it into um, some some good context. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually really want to talk about that because, I, uh, you know, when we come to it. So I read the first few pages. Um, I didn't just skim read. I actually properly read them. And if you had read the abstract, which a lot of people do, so that's like kind of the summary. Um, it, when you read the first couple of pages, actually, it's not got a great deal to do with the abstract i found um well, we'll we, can we, that. we can talk about that um so i, I uh, just recently i have i've heard a lot of things in the gym and and these are kind of quite general things but i think a lot of people they generally just don't know the answer um and i think we kind of want to touch upon training i know we talk a lot about nutrition but we kind of want to touch but again but we just love talking about training so um and we do bash on about nutrition quite a lot so it's nice to kind of break things up a little bit uh so a couple of things are kind of that i've heard in the gym recently that you kind of hear and and you kind of just uh don't really absorb um you just like oh god bloody amateurs talking about that again but at the end of the day though a lot when you start thinking about it it's like oh well, what is the answer to that and um we sort of i chucked a few questions in the group and just said you know what about talking about a few of these and um and we sort of started to think and started to speak about it and say well you know do we actually know a you know a really well backed answer um so uh, so yes yeah, so that's kind of what we want to talk about so should we just list off the questions have a little chat and see where we come to yes uh, yeah. So I think like kind of one of the really, um, well, we've spoken about this before, I'm sure, but, uh, the whole lifting heavy weights, weights and you'll get bulky. Um, especially you hear this from, from women a lot. So a lot of females when they, uh, start training with us and, um, and they're after exercise plans as well as the nutrition support. Um, one of the main things is, Oh, don't, uh, you know, I only do lightweights or I only want to do pump stuff because i don't want to get bulky um brett how long have you been lifting heavy weights for too long um well i would probably say i've been weight training for eight years i'd probably say i've been weight training properly for three yeah are you are you you bulky yet i wish Quite, I'm quite so. bulky at the moment, but probably not the type of bulk I would really like to be. <laughs> Belly bulky, um, or ass bulky in there for you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so, 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 yeah, I think that kind of summarises things, doesn't it, really? Yeah, all right, you do get a few uh, freaks of nature on, on both sides of the gender spectrum, don't you? Like, you get, like, our, our friend Carlton McIntosh. Um, anybody would look at him and go, oh, he's on steroids, but he's just somebody who, like, eats barbells and puts on 10 million pounds of muscle um just yeah um do you see you do get doing hands yeah literally doing handstands yeah uh, <laughs> so you do get you do get a few freaks of nature don't you and um same with the women as well so it was in the news this morning about the uh that south african uh track athlete and because they're looking at capping the amount of testosterone that a woman can have present in her body um for uh for uh sports <laughs> um for, for like track sports and stuff um and, she, and her lawyers are trying to fight it to say well naturally she's got very high levels of testosterone which means it gives her an advantage um how you then determine whether it's natural testosterone or whether it's exogenous testosterone I, i'm not quite sure but um 
obviously we're all within a level but uh, you know it just goes to show doesn't it that some some ladies have higher test levels which means they're going to be uh, they get you know good recovery they're, they're going to naturally build slightly bigger muscle they're going to be more powerful um yeah so uh, so some some women are going to be freaks in nature and when they, when they train whatever they do they will just gain muscle you've got that friend who just you know whatever they do they just they excel at it um sporting wise or whatever um some some people are like that and and others aren't um so also you can probably guarantee that most of the people that you're kind of like ogling over on instagram saying i wish i looked like her or you know, oh, oh God, no, she's she's too bulky. You can guarantee that there's there's other things going on that you're not aware of um, to to make them bulky <laughs> because, yeah, it's not really something women can do naturally too easily without 10, 15, 20 years of training and, and everything else. Yeah, I suppose, I mean, it's one of those things where you're unlikely of getting really bulky unless you have incredible genetics as you said or you're using drugs um certainly not overnight anyway i think that's the main point certainly overnight you're not suddenly going to turn into something that you um you know like some incredible she hulk if you're a lady um or even an incredible hulk if you're a man Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Uh, i think it disappoints a lot of guys how slow the muscle gain process is especially you know maybe if your test levels aren't incredibly high naturally or whatever um it, yeah it's it's frustrating and annoying um and you get loads of loads of guys say oh i should be bigger than what i am and all this and um <laughs> there's a lad he's, he's a young lad and all he needs to do is just shut up and just lift more weights basically and he um he just keeps going on about every excuse under the sun why he's not stronger and why he's barely he's probably not even been training 12 months um and and yeah some people expect it overnight and it's just not going to happen um yeah unfortunately okay then um bro splits is that the secret to muscle gain success ask phil heath and um Kai Green and anyone else that's ever stepped on the uh, Olympia stage that clearly all does body split, uh, body part splits. So, all right, let's quickly summarise on what is a bro split because it's a term that gets <laughs> yeah, bandied. It's a term that gets bandied around a lot. But what is a maybe bro I don't split? Know, blow spritz, yeah, um, it is usually the um, uh, weight training protocol of uh, smashing one particular muscle group per day into oblivion. Yeah, right, just nice. a little bit. Basically, it's just working. What like, it's 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 basically usually a protocol of working one muscle group per training session. Hence, bro split. Yeah, yeah. So on a Monday, you've got to do the, the most chest, you'd ever double. International up. chest Mondays always. Yeah, and you might put triceps with it if you're a uh, daring motherfucker. No, you don't do that. <laughs> um, but it'd be like chest chest Monday back Tuesday. Shoulders Wednesday, legs Thursday, arms Friday. Like that would yeah. be a bro split. That's assuming um, you do legs. Well, yeah, and then or you do legs on Friday, but skip skip it because you're going out with your mates. Um, you so that, you just you do an extra. Arms. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> quick, quick chest and arm pump. Um, get the t-shirt pump up. Um, yeah. So that's kind of that's that's what a lot of people that's what a lot of people do. And I think that's kind of because it comes from your, your your bodybuilders and stuff like that. That that's the way it must work, and that's the you know again talking genetic freaks who are saying this is what works. Well, it's like well whatever you do will work. They could train one day a week and do a full body session, and they're still going to be bigger than the rest of us because genetically they're elite, and everything else that they take as well um, is going to help them. So, but. Go on. No, go on. There you go. I was gonna say, but is it actually when you start to test, is training one muscle group once a week better than training a muscle group maybe twice a week? Well, let, if let's we... um, no, go on. I'll just, uh, no, 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 no. I was just gonna say, well, shall I um, kind of bring up some of the points you need to consider when you're considering whether it's good or bad or what you should or shouldn't do? Um, 
So I guess it's kind of like, um, yeah. Where was I? Where was I? Oh, I'm trying to think where I was going to start. I, I when you were talking, I had three or four points. Of it. Right, okay. These are what these are the things I want to cover. Now, I completely lost all of it. Um, okay, right. So I guess like we know the main um, driver of hypertrophy or muscle growth is volume. So um, that range of volume that people need can can be different person to person, but also it is a spectrum in terms of um, you kind of have for most people would would consider this this to be correct anyway obviously these are just theories so um it's not a, there's no way you can prove this is an actual thing or not but um we kind of talk about things like um a minimum um recoverable volume a minimum of, or sorry uh, a minimum adaptive volume and a maximum recoverable volume so these are type volume landmarks which Mike gives a tale and our renaissance periodization have kind of uh, made infamous but it kind of makes sense really that we have like a minimum we can amount of do to progress um, and we have like almost the maximum that we can we can recover from. I guess there's that spectrum in between where if we're doing enough volume, we'll make some form of progression in between those those marks. That kind of makes sense. You know, if you're not doing enough, you'll do nothing. If you're doing too much, um, you can't recover and you won't um, progress. So I suppose like long story short, can you fall within those minimum maximums by doing a bro split? Yeah, you could. You know, you, you can do quite a lot. You can do probably for most people, they can make some form of progression on doing one muscle group per day, like you described, like chest Monday, tricep Tuesday, whatever. Is it optimal? That's probably where most of the debate comes in, right? Probably in that. Can you do... Are you doing too much volume on maybe one muscle group in one session, but not enough maybe over the week? I think that's probably what most people consider why it's maybe not optimal. So you might be able to do... You might do a lot of volume in one session and smash the hell out of one muscle group, but then you can't recover and then can't work that muscle again for a week. Hence, you end up doing one muscle group per week anyway. But if you split that into two sessions and then did maybe two thirds of the volume, but you did it twice, you then done four thirds of the volume compared to just doing one whole day. So you then done more volume over the week. I suppose that's why a lot of people then start to think of training frequency and be able to recover and actually fit in because you've done less volume on one day, but you've done more overall over the week. So I suppose that's kind of like some of the concepts you might want to consider whether you want to do a bro split, a full body three times a week, or you know, four days a week, push pull, legs, push pull, up or below, or whatever. Yeah, it's kind of the analogy I've used a few times before where I say, well, if I will give you a million pounds if in 12 weeks you can grow your biceps an inch, um, you're going to train your biceps more than once a week, aren't you? Uh, so just that alone that kind of like that natural kind of like innate thought of oh i must train them every single day or every other day um which i, I imagine most people would if i like if i said that to you, you you probably would go and train them almost every day wouldn't you just to um it was well, as much as you could without dying um if, if you're if you're thinking that then why aren't you thinking that for every single muscle group that you have, especially if your main goal is to grow as much muscle as possible. So, and then I suppose the argument would be though, do you train once a week, twice a week, three times a week, four times a week, five times a week? And then that gets into a whole different debate, doesn't it? Because if you can train twice a week and that's going to be better. So this isn't just us speculating and saying, oh, well, you know what, what about, you know, have you thought of this? This is us saying, well, actually, if you actually look at the, you know, all the scientific research and all the literature on the, on the area, yeah, there's a few studies that don't show anything, you know, any difference between training once or twice a week. Um, but there's a hell of a lot that do show that there's, there's you get a, a greater uh, rate of muscle growth by training twice a week over once a week. Um, I can't remember exactly the percentage, but um, there, there, there is a greater increase of, of muscle cross-sectional area, as the studies like to call it. Um, but then not not many studies then go into looking at training the muscle group three times a week or four times a week. No, but wasn't isn't some of the meta-analysis show that um, two times a week is better than one times a week, but three wasn't better than one or two? So, something like yeah but then they never yeah yeah um 
Yes, that was a couple of years ago, wasn't it, when that came out? That one, yeah. Um, but there isn't much. There, like, there is. It's like you, you then have the limitation of there aren't many studies doing it. If there's only one study and it was a, bit of a crappy study, then does that does that mean it's a definite no, or does it just mean that there needs to be more studies to to kind of you know get a better better snapshot of the uh, of of that? Um, cause it's the same with another question. I suppose we can we, I suppose we can kind of bring that in towards the end. But but talking set numbers. And stuff like that. So obviously, if you're doing say six sets of chat, uh, sorry, six exercises, three or four sets for each exercise, and you're doing six exercises for your chest on a Monday, well, why not just split that in half and do three sets? Uh, sorry, three exercises of three sets or whatever on a Monday, and then do the same again on a Thursday. And that's kind of, or you could do four on a Monday, four on a Thursday, and then you've got even more volume. But what we're saying is allow your muscle to recover and then hit it again and if your if your muscle has even if you smash it into oblivion like brett said if you are recovered by wednesday or thursday you then are going three or four days with with no stimulus in that muscle so why not hit it again and stimulate that muscle twice in a week and get hopefully double the growth you probably won't get double the growth but even if you get 10 percent more growth or five percent more growth that's better than not doing it at all surely yeah, I think that key point is really what you said, though, in that um, if you're doing it once a week, and it kind of goes back to what I, what I really said, I suppose, as well, actually, the, it's just probably easier to describe the set numbers. If you go back once a week and you're doing six sets of chest and then you're fucked and then either can't or you're not trained again for another whole week, if you split into two, you might do two sets of four, so you've done eight sets, so you have done more volume. And I think that's the key point of why it's seen more optimal or you should see more muscle growth over a period of time because obviously you're doing more volume. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And so this, I suppose, this kind of now ties in the, um, this is something that I, I haven't really heard people debate before, but there's a couple of lads in the gym and they were saying, oh, you know, the, the magic set number, oh yeah, it's three, because everybody does three sets. So, you know, you have to do three sets, otherwise you're not going to grow. Um, but then another lad said, oh, well, my mate said five, five's the magic number. Um, and most people will work between three and five sets, they don't really go above. They don't really go one or two, um, and, and and that got me thinking. Then was like, well, it's a debate that I've never really thought of too much before. And what would your thoughts be on that? If you said, is there a, is there a magic set number? Well, my, initially it'd be like, well, there is no magic set number because obviously everyone's very different. Individ, individual differences are just going to determine all the different factors. There's also going to be in terms of nutrition because obviously you're going to do more sets and more recoverability if you're in a surplus and competitive deficit that type of stuff. Um, your training age is, there's just so annoying it's such a ridiculous debate in the first place um, albeit obviously I guess like the literature shows I think for the most part effective volume between you know most people would agree that most people will fall in a spectrum between 10 and 25 sets per muscle group per week ish um, obviously there's this uh, infamous debate going on at the moment from Lyle and Mike Gisretel Lyle McDonald and um, Mike is to tell about Brad Schoenfeld's latest, latest, latest um, publication around um, higher volume is a direct response to, or sorry, um, I can't remember what it's called now, but something like um, higher volumes. Uh, oh gosh, I really know what the title is. Basically, it's a dose response for a higher volume should equal higher muscle growth is what they're arguing. Lyle's basically saying it's, it's misled or misfounded and the data has been mis misrepresented. Um, by Brad and Mike saying not so much um, so I guess like my thoughts are probably I still kind of feel like most people are going to fit within the 10 to 25 sets but again it's so individual and all those different things we talked about um, like a tra someone training to start with might be on the 10 set per muscle group because obviously they're going to be more sensitive to muscle growth whereas someone's been training for a long time they might have to do a lot more sets um, it's also going to be things like, well, what what do those sets mean? Because you can you can kind of determine volume in many different ways, whether it's just like number of hard sets, number of tonnage, so your reps times your um, weight times your sets, um, and obviously they all again they all make a difference in how many sets you might end up doing. Um, taking how many reps to failure, um, you're going to recruit more muscle fibers when you're doing higher intensity, so more weight in the bar um, and lower reps potentially than you might be, or you'd have to do more. Um, a, a higher rep range to get the same muscle fiber recruitment by doing higher reps. So um, it's it's like again, you know, if you're if you're doing three sets but you're only taking them to three reps in reserve, four reps to reserve, but then someone else is doing three sets taking it to one rep in reserve. Again, you can't really compare those set to set. So it's just so so different. 
there's so many different annoyances to, to say all oh, ma- these magic set numbers are just it's a silly debate isn't it in the first place mm. and also if you're doing like if you're only doing one chest exercise and you're doing five sets then that's a different debate to if you're doing four chest exercises and only doing three sets per exercise um it, yeah and, and also um your, your recoverability as well if you're somebody who is wiped out after doing two exercises you've done three you know three sets and you've done two exercises for the for chest and it's absolutely dead and you're aching now for the next two or three days and that happens every single time then your recoverability is toss compared to somebody else who could do five or six sets same you know rpe so same amount of reps to failure um and and everything but they're doing four exercises and five sets and they can go again two days later um you know, everybody's recoverability is different so there's no point in pounding yourself into the ground if you like it's like leg day when people are oh my god i can't walk and then they skip the gym for the next three days because they've killed themselves doing legs uh, there's no point doing that if you can't recover from it just take it a little bit easier and then be able to train again um we've all been there we've all been there <laughs> yeah. I, i'm definitely swaying towards um leaving more in the tank than I used to. I used to think you'd have to push things to failure most parts, but I think you do see less longer term progression when you do that because you just end up not, like you say, not being able to recover from pushing yourself too far to failure and then the output over a longer period of time is just less than it would have been if you'd have just done less on the day and that again translates to the same point we made about bro splits versus um, other other uh, training methods because you do more overall volume if you just don't kill yourself and don't push yourself so far to failure. Well, it's like doing a one rep max for your first exercise so again just taking chest you do bench press and you're doing a one rep max test oh yeah let's see how much i can lift and then you go on and try and do something else well you're not going to be able to do the same amount of like you know on your dumbbell incline or your whatever you're going to do next because you've just killed yourself push yourself but you know you're not trying to do a one rep max are you so um you shouldn't be on your first exercise no no exactly and that's an easy example to kind of articulate and saying like okay if you say you're doing Say you're doing a chest press, any type of chest press movement, and you did 10 reps, right, to failure. You then might do eight, and you then might do six, say. So you've done in total 24 reps. Or actually, if you did like nine, 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 you then done more reps because you just left one in the tank or whatever. It's rather than pushing yourself to failure in every set, which is yeah, more volume. Exactly. That's the, and that's, that's the whole point. That's the whole point. And just pushing to failure, train to failure. Like, there'll be times where you need to train to failure in training sessions because obviously there's the fitness fatigue model where you've got to push yourself into like an overreaching state to be able to then pull back and recover and then you adapt and you should get stronger that's the whole point of it but um that isn't something that you should be doing constant consistently all the time just overreaching or going to failure like literally every week or week which is what a lot of people do and you a lot of people do it and they can recover to start with because like i say they're a bit more sensitive to train they can push themselves to failure and they'll see some results but there's nothing that's going to make you stagnate or plateau quicker than just pushing the failure every se- session. Yeah, and that's why you should build things in with deloads and um, you know build up the volume and then bring the volume back, things like that. Um, yeah, that, do it, do, you can do it smartly. Smartly. That's why I, I, I far more favour now, just as I say, um, some periods of overreaching, but more often than not, I, I, I train far less to failure than I used to. Mm-hmm. yeah 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 uh, um that's a good thing about training on your own actually is it, it means you don't train to failure quite as much um well, certainly on, no ego because you've got no one to impress yeah. well exactly yeah that's why I, I love it when the gym's quiet my all the saying that though um some of my biggest pbs of, of a one rep max have been when i've been in a uh, like a gym completely on my own so like the most i've ever deadlifted was when it was at like 11 o'clock at night when there was nobody else in the gym um because there's nobody watching everything is on that lift and you're thinking about it and mm. yeah but that was that was a few years ago when i cared about pbs and one rep maxes mm-hmm. um but yeah um so i suppose then just to kind of like round that off though so there is there is literature out there of comparing uh one set compared to three sets compared to six sets um and basically for for an exercise again it, it was a meta-analysis so it took loads of different studies and it kind of said right okay this is what all the literature is saying this is kind of like an overview um it then never really went into say well this is how many exercises they were doing some may have only done that with literally one set uh and only one exercise others might have been doing five or six 
exercises but only one set so didn't really say that which was a bit stupid but um so but basically said that you're 30 to 40 percent more likely to make more gains uh by doing three sets over one set but you're only sort of like 10 to 20 percent more likely to get more gains doing four to six sets over doing three sets um so but again there wasn't many studies doing the higher higher set work so um again it needed needed a bit more research but um that was for one exercise but how many exercises on top of that it didn't really say so uh but there's just yeah a bit, a bit of science there from from a, a meta-analysis from good old james krieger we like james krieger i think there's like without doubt a um a, a dose response relationship in the more you do the more muscle gain you get but obviously it's like anything as well there's probably a diminishing returns in that you get to a certain point where it's just no point doing more because the extra um gains you get are just not worth the the payoff you need to do for it yeah yeah and, and the, it did stay in the discussion towards the end that it is it will be plateauing at kind of five six reps um but and then like you say the diminishing returns there like you know if you go and do 10 sets per exercise like german volume training you know is there any point for the time it takes for the energy it takes for you then not to be able to go on and do other exercises um to you know if you're inhibiting recovery if you can't then train again later in the week um all these things you have to kind of factor in and say well is it worth it or should i just stick to doing three sets three exercises three or four body parts a session Mm. But yeah. we're all, we're also kind of only talking around progression models being like sets or how many sets should I do? But actually, you've kind of see you can progress by loading the bar, you can progress by extra reps. So it's fun, mm-hmm. you can even progress by form or um, or tempo, or if you really want to start using tempo training, albeit I think tempo training is shit. But you know you yeah. can start to do do some things with things. So there's far more ways to progress. So um, I think when people start thinking, oh, like you know, kind of just keep adding sets because obviously you can't you can't keep adding sets because one it'd be impossible you kill yourself, but also two you just want to have time to do so. So you do have to think of other other ways to progress stuff. So people listening, don't start thinking, oh, you know, okay, I'll start 10 sets and I'll move to 15, to 20, to 25, to 30, to 50, because you just can't, you can't. And this is also why you should have periods of higher and lower volumes as well. So you kind of almost reset and resensitize to volume, if that's the correct um, phrase. But you resensitize the volume to then kind of push on again. So Yeah. Which I I think not enough people do. I I don't think enough people can... And I get it, it's like the mentality of it's quite difficult, um, similar to like dieting mentality, but it can be quite hard to think, oh, well, I, I know volume growth is the key driver of muscle growth, so I'm not going to have periods where I do less because I'm going to regress, I'm going to go backwards. Well, actually, in reality, it's like taking a diet break. You actually, you just need to have um, less volume and just let yourself resensitize, and then you can then start to push the volume up again. Yeah, absolutely. And when we talk about volume as well if you drop your mass so if you're going up to like doing five sets per uh per exercise or whatever or you you know then you'd come from doing three exercises to five exercises for for every muscle group and your gym sessions are taking three hours um bringing that right back down and maybe only doing two exercises you know two exercises three sets per body part you might find that suddenly after a week or two your your uh the amount that you can lift has jumped up so actually your volume has gone up um, because, yeah, it's gone up in a different way, not just via sets or reps. Um, yeah, so again, that could be clever periodizing of saying, we're going to increase the volume over this tw- this block of 12 weeks and again the next block and then all of a sudden you just whiz it right back down again um, and kind of start again and see where you're at. And hopefully you should be lifting more than you were doing last time you were kind of doing that rep range for that amount of sets and that amount of exercises. I think there's a reason why most um, uh, most people's plans follow a, a model of um, high volume at the start and lower intensity, and then they cross over so that towards the end of most uh, periodized plans, you have a higher intensity and lower volume. Um, because mm-hmm. obviously, you kind of you, you move from almost like um, hypertrophy style volume training to, to obviously a higher intensity strength training. But obviously, that then leaves less volume and gives you time to kind of recover from volume. And then on the flip side, then you can recover from the, the, the damage you often do with strength training, i.e. like joints and tendons and stuff where like really heavy weights can, can tend to it's kind of cause problems. So um, you, you kind of think of that periodization over time. It's kind of normal, really. You think, well, as I lift more, I have to do less reps to kind of maintain it. Because you can't just keep it wet in the bar. You often end up having to reduce your, your, your rep count. And that's that naturally will tend to it goes up and volume goes down as you do less reps. So mm-hmm. um, 
you kind of got to consider all this when you're you're, you're periodizing or, or plan out your training and if this is all getting confusing just get somebody to do it for you <laughs> as we keep saying lost my uh, lost my headphones then um Okay, so kind of talking about that then. Uh, so I heard uh, I heard Jake Cutler twi- trains twice a day, or did train twice a day back in the day, and that's why he got so big. So uh, is that what I need to do? Do I need to train morning and night to get absolutely huge? Hundred percent. Ask Steve Hall. He does twice a day training. Does he? he? And to be fair, yeah, he does. And to be fair, he's looking meaty right now. Nice. Um, no, I, to be honest, I don't. Uh, that just comes down to exactly the things we just talked about. It's just about a, a way of maybe getting more volume in. I guess like uh, like hearing Steve talk about it, and it makes absolute sense. It's just a case of well, actually, if I split my training up into two sessions, which he can do because his gym is literally four minutes walk from his house where he lives. Um, he he can do that because he's got he's obviously self employed. He's a he's an online coach only. He he's got all the time to to or he can sort out his day or periodize his day to suit have him do two sessions. Then it just means he goes in does half a session say. Really fresh does it and then he has a nice break comes back in the, the afternoon and does the other half, um, feeling fresher than he would have done if he'd done it all in one go. Well, all he's done is yeah. split his volume across across a day instead, and obviously that might allow him to do more volume in the same way we were talking about splitting up your bro splits into. Into other uh, into to more than one session a week. It's the same principle. He's just spreading his his load. So actually, we well, spreading his load. He's just spreading his load. So um, he can ac- accumulate more volume over time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So again, um, I suppose then just to kind of uh, play devil's advocate with that, um, you've got things like recoverability um mm-hmm. are you getting 100%. your you know, if, if you're dieting is this going to be the best thing probably not but you are going to be expending maybe more calories doing it um but it, you know if you if, again if you if, if you can recover really really well and you're like super recovery um then yeah this is going to be good for you but again if you ache for the next three days after any gym session no matter how light you go this is not for you um it's a bit like full body um training splits so if you do full body every day for you know you do two two days have a day off two days or whatever um the amount of stress that's going to put on like your tendons and your joints and stuff like that is going to be really really high so if you're then doing you'd have to periodize it so cleverly and um you wouldn't go and do like morning and night of both chest you wouldn't also even if you were doing right okay i'm going to do legs in the morning and an upper body in the afternoon or whatever um you wouldn't then go do heavy in the morning and heavy in the afternoon because your central nervous system is just going to be absolutely fried um you sleep like a baby that night <laughs> but uh yeah um i think i think he uses it a lot for more like he might do back and chest in the morning um, or upper mm-hmm. body in the morning, and then he might go in the afternoon do because I've heard him talk about obviously his podcast. He might go and do abs and calves, say in the evening, yeah, which like an accessory kind of, workout. Yeah, which is basically yeah. following the kind of principles you're just saying. I guess the reason, like he probably said, that's a positive thing is because we'll do it. You get to the end of a workout and you've got abs and calves left over. You're like, oh, too tired, can't be bothered. You either don't do it or you just don't put the you don't train it in the same way you train the other muscle groups because you just cut you half ass it. Whereas obviously coming back a bit fresher, he probably puts more into it to then improve muscle part or body parts or muscle groups that he obviously wants to emphasize, i.e. his abs and calves. So I know he's box shit both. So <laughs> <laughs> now he always says that. He's like, he's, he's like me, team no calves. And um, obviously he'll, he's the first person to admit he's not that uh, genetically gifted in the in the ab department. So um, obviously two things you want to improve. So it makes sense to him really to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I suppose just yeah. just to just to kind of key or highlight something key there. Then, obviously, there it's not it's like the the, the twice a day thing is not so good or bad. Um, a lot with like most of the principles, like a lot of them aren't good or bad. It's more can you rationalise them as to why you're doing them? If you can, and obviously the way we just have maybe with why Steve's doing twice a day training, brilliant. But if you can't rationalise it, you can't think why you're doing something, then you, it's probably not right. Yeah, yeah. And if you're not speaking to your mother at least once a week because you're in the gym twice a day, then it's probably not right. Um, no, yeah. probably not. Probably not. I mean, most most people aren't going to have time to do training twice a day. Most people are going to want to, let's be honest. Steve's obviously um, a very passionate bodybuilder and he has the lifestyle set out that allows him to do it. So Yeah, exactly. So Jay, Jay Cutler was also on loads of drugs and just could, could have <laughs> smashed everybody part twice a day. Yeah. Um, and recover from it. So, 
Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Um, I, I could chat there. So I, I suppose to summarise, um, it's individual. Uh, everything is. Um, if people are dead set saying this is the only way, then they are an absolute moron, um, or they just don't get it. They don't know. They don't know things. Um, and if <laughs> this is one you get a lot, I think, in the bodybuilding community of like the, the big meatheads, and they're like, oh, optimal, optimal, oh, there's no such thing as optimal. And it's like, well, actually, you're probably a bit of a retard. Um, I will uh, go on record saying that. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so uh, to summarize, training one body part once a week might not be the, the best you might get more advanced advantages from training a couple of times a week uh training a couple of times a day only do it if you can recover from it and if you have the time uh to do it um smashing yourself into oblivion every session probably not the best idea uh probably give yourself a few reps and be able to train that muscle group again later in the week uh yeah i think that's uh, pretty any any more of a summary no, no. I think um, the only other point I'd add, um, which we haven't really said about, but I guess the individual, just emphasising the individualisation bit in that even when you're, as a coach, programming people, um, yes, there's some generic principles based on the body of evidence. And we know, obviously, any scientific literature is a study of lots of people. So it is going to be, uh, or isn't necessarily going to be suitable for everyone, because obviously everyone's going to be different. You are literally looking at averages when you look at studies. Um, and obviously, no one's really average on their own. Um, we even though so the point is even if we've got these principles that we follow, um, they are always starting points, and that's I just want to highlight that. So you kind of have to if you're not if you don't have a coach and you're kind of testing this out for yourself, you literally have to test it out for yourself. So find a protocol or principle, follow it, and then adjust it as you see progress happens or doesn't happen. And that's literally and it's the same with set numbers, the type of training, um, even your form, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, you just need to start testing stuff and then adjust as you go because there is no one way suits everyone. There is no optimal, um, despite what Ed just said. Um, in, in in the context we're talking about, as in there isn't like an optimal for everybody. It's just for everybody, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So because there isn't, there's just that doesn't happen. Yes, there's a body of evidence which points at, like I say, an average, but you know everyone's different. So you might be, you know, we're talking about the the um, volume studies around how many sets per week you should do. Well. You know, some people might be optimal at 10, some people might be up to 20, some people might be 30. You know, it's just you've got to find where you sit on that ladder almost. Good stuff. As Good chatting. That's only a bit I want to add, just the individual bits. I just think it's quite important. Yeah, yeah. So. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, no. Completely agree. Good chat. Right, well, it's half past. You best uh, oh, go to bed. It's one minutes past here. Oh, mate. That's it. We're all in the doghouse. Oh, my hair's <laughs> going to fall out. I'm so stressed. Oh, no, wait. <laughs> Already happened. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, cool well enjoy your 5am session um, yeah in the morning I'm up to driving up north going above the up north of the wall and uh, going into White Walker territory where you go? York York oh York I'm supposed to be in York in a couple of weeks I think oh yeah. yeah if you're there on a Tuesday let me know that's my York day Tuesday alright um, yeah. there's a 25% chance probably it's going to be a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Never a Friday. So I'll let you know. Keep me posted. Keep me posted. Cool. All right then. Well, um, good chatting, and I'll uh, we'll chat soon. Bonjour. Thanks for listening to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast. We'll speak to you all next week. <laughs>